0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek.
1: Hello! Please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week, animal attacks are a phenomena in the Congo. Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. I am Adam Thomas, and I want to remind you to get your pets spayed or neutered.
0: And I'm Thomas Mariani, and I am here to discuss some great phenomena. Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo.
1: Oh, that was a reach. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> look i had to get it out there sometime It had to, it might as well just right out from the start uh but welcome to the double-edged double bill this week we are doing in honor of uh, not too long after this uh, episode will come out will be uh, uh godzilla versus kong and uh, we asked all of our patrons over patreon.com slash gedb pod to vote for some either creature feature animal adjacent movies that kind of fit those two titans battling it out. And um, they ended up going with When Animals Attack, which is an interesting subgenre. Basically, if you're unaware, it's the subgenre in which uh, animals attack humans. Like, nature takes its revenge.
1: Yeah, it's just regular animals, too, not crazy, souped up versions, just the regular animals.
0: Right, because so you would draw the line at, say, for example, there's insects in this movie versus, like, them, where there are ants that are, like, big. That's more of, like, a creature feature to you. Yeah,
1: yeah, or like, uh, you know, perfect like Rampage, the Dwayne Johnson movie, where they are normal animals, but then they get, like, you know, drugged and become these huge super beasts. Like, I would still consider that a future feature. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Uh, but are you a fan of, then, the animals attack subgenre, especially as a horror buff?
1: Uh, yes and no. Like, I, I got nothing against it. It's never been one of my favorite subgenres, because there's a lot of bad out there as compared to good. Most of the ones that are worth a damn are ones from, like, the 70s and 80s. Even then, though, those ones are super cheesy and stuff, like Frogs or Kingdom of the Spiders or
0: things like that. In doing the research since I had the good pick for this week, a lot of sites always put, like, The Birds and Jaws at number one and two to some Uh degree, like, some variation. And I think those movies were really what kind of kicked off that kind of animal revenge sort of craze and most of the ripoffs are either surprisingly good or genuinely terrible in a way that can be occasionally entertaining but it just really depends and then again also it kind of weirdly attaches a stigma to some of these animals even in reality like Jaws that's infamously why like sharks went way down in numbers because the movie was so popular and like was in the pop culture zeitgeist so it can be harmful if uh, people are stupid which is not uncommon, (laughs) you know, as the general sort of population is. But, you know, when done well by, you know, any number of filmmakers, they can uh, breed interesting results, like our two features. Uh, For those of you who are new to the show, basically every week, Am and I pick randomly a good and a bad feature based on uh, one has two good choices one has two bad choices, depending on the week rotation, and uh, that ends up getting, uh, you know, us to pick... The other's choices that gets us uh, our good and bad feature for the following episode. So for this week, after we picked the end of last week's episode, we end up with my good pick of Phenomena, and uh, then Adam's bad pick of Congo. Two very interesting variations on this, both involving monkeys, which fits for the Kong Godzilla element of it.
1: Yep, so we're kind of doing a monkey episode. Kind of.
0: Right, which was a choice uh, for patrons at one point as well. Mm -hmm. And we got
1: dog moves. Yeah, we got dog instead of monkey
0: so we're not going to do another monkey movie episode, at least for a very long time. Right. Let's get into uh, our good pick first here of Phenomena.
1: The wind. Yes. It comes from the Alps. (laughs) When it
0: blows, there are those who say it causes madness. (laughs) Have you any
1: idea why they behave like that?
0: It's probably because of me. I guess they sense the mood I'm in. See, It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? So, uh, Phenomena came out in 1985 from director Dario Argento, who co-wrote it along with uh, Franco Ferrini. This is our second Dario Argento film uh, after we did Dracula 3D a while ago. Um, I think this is an improvement? I I think you could say that.
1: I guess it all depends on how much you hate your life.
0: (laughs) That's true, unless the Dracula 3D stands are going to come out in full force.
1: Yeah, right. We don't want that to happen. God. Jeez. (laughs) Um, Actually, Dracula 3D had a lot of animal attacks in it, too, including a
0: giant praying mantis. That's true, that's true, Uh, Dracula himself transformed, but let's talk about this very interesting version of an animal attack movie, where I mentioned there's a monkey in this one, obviously, but there's also insects, but uh, they're not necessarily the main focus like a lot of animal attack movies. I've really wanted to talk about this movie for a while. You know, I haven't seen a lot of Argento, and I love some like a Suspiria, but the more I watch it, the more I think Phenomena might be my favorite of his movies. If you're unaware out there, because this one might be a bit more obscure than like a Suspiria, uh, Phenomena is the story of a young woman, Jennifer, played by Jennifer Connelly, who um, is at this all-girls school that she's been uh, trotted off to, uh, where in the middle of this like sort of remote village, uh, she ends up uh, kind of encountering this killer that's roaming around and killing these young girls. And then also there's a former crime scene investigator played by Donald Pleasance, who has a helper monkey that assists him, this chimpanzee. And uh, as the movie rolls along, we get more and more of the mystery uh, unfolding, uh, as it does, and uh, some horrible violent kills and stuff. And I just think this movie's uh, phenomenal. Wink. Wink, 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 wink. Um, But no, I love this movie. I think this movie is, like, a weird nightmare dream vision that um, I just can't praise enough. It has this weird ethereal quality that I don't think is, like, in a lot of other movies. Like, there's plenty of other Italian horror movies that kind of try to recreate what Dario Argento kind of does with a, the with a Suspiria. Phenomena is one of the few that really manages to kind of, like, recapture it while doing something completely different. I just love it so much but adam i know you're even more of an italian horror buff than i am and uh do you like phenomena as
1: far as being an italian horror buff i say that and i've seen a lot of them i think i'm more of an argento buff than subgenre as a whole because other than dracula 3d and maybe like mother of tears i want to say what was the last one he did of the mother's trilogy uh, i i just pretty much eat up anything the guy does i i mean Suspiria's. Probably my all-time favorite horror movie of all time, if not one of my favorite films of all time. And, you know, coming into this one, I hadn't seen it in a while. I have seen it several times, but it had been at least probably, man, maybe 10 years since I've seen it. So I was a little worried and a little bit apprehensive. Like, is this going to hold up? It's a really odd choice for our subject. Young Jennifer Connolly acting is real sort of hit and miss in certain things. But no, this is a perfect – this is a 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, whatever you want to call it. I I, I think this movie hits on every level it was going for and then on levels it didn't even know it was trying to do. This whole movie is like this ethereal dream sequence of a movie where you almost can't believe that anything you're seeing isn't sort of a fevered vision of the main character when she's sleeping or – if it's just not some drug induced hallucination or whatever you, it could be even the even the ending with the reveal of the you know the the child and you're like is, how the fuck what is this is this real the whole movie sort of has that playful tone to it not playful in a way where it's you know for kids but playful where it's like uh, what do you think you think this is real oh look at this wacky shit here's a fucking badass Iron Maiden song like <laughs> you know it's just. It's, fucking, it's a nutty, nutty movie, but it, it's one of the finest examples of not only Italian horror cinema, but Italian cinema and also Dario Argento's work.
0: Yeah, it, it's so interesting because especially with like the whole Italian dub thing, there's clear examples where it's like, oh, you have Jennifer Connolly and Donald Pleasence who speak English naturally, obviously, and then you have just random you know, actors that would have are clearly italian dubbed over like especially the sequence where she first arrives at the girl's school and she meets her roommate and the roommate is very clearly dubbed (laughs) like so so overdubbed right and it's especially weird where there's a whole sequence where she admits like oh hey jennifer um you have that poster of that famous actor i love are you his lover one, she's like 15. Two, she's like, oh, no, he's my dad. Oh, sorry, Tee-hee. Like, wait, this is already yeah, weird, weird to start. She delivers this exposition about Jennifer, like, oh, your mom lived here. And then you and your, and then and her and your, your dad just uh, separated, right, and all that other stuff. And she's like, my mom left us. It was a really upsetting time. And I remember on Christmas Day when she called my dad and said that she was leaving. And I got so many presents, but it still haunts me to this day. You know, I'm so glad you're here, Jennifer. Like, what? what? What's yeah, right. happening
1: right i know i know it's fucking crazy that's actually what happened to Dario Argento
0: um, right it's it's very autobiographical about like his actual life with like his mom so it's very personal
1: for him in a weird way so they in a way it feels sort of shoehorned in but at the same time, like, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it, the dubbing in this movie either. Like I said, it adds to that flavor that this movie has. Everybody's mouth movement is a step behind of what the actual words are, or a step forward in certain times. It makes you feel unease, but it, I quickly forget that it's dubbed. I mean, obviously, you don't ever forget that it's dubbed, but I quickly don't care that it's dubbed after, like, I don't know, five minutes.
0: Well, and it makes it her does. feel even more like an outsider, which I really like, honestly. Yeah. The more I've really watched it, it works especially where it's just like she dumps all of this stuff. She is completely ignored about her problems. She, No one really pays attention to her. And even when they do, it's like to mock her, especially in another really upsetting sequence that feels like, once again, a nightmare of, like, you being confronted by everybody in school with this weird thing like, we worship you, we worship you, leading to her using her insect telekinesis powers. I didn't mention that, by the way, in the synopsis, because yeah. how yeah. could I? <laughs> There's so much.
1: Because it makes no fucking sense, dude. (laughs) And they don't even, they really don't even try to give you a reason behind it. Like her whole thing is, I've always liked insects. They like me. Okay. Cool. (laughs) That's basically it. You know, and and another thing too, you brought him over already, but Donald Pleasant, this might be one of his most subdued performances ever.
0: Yes, even though he's doing a very over-the-top Irish accent at times.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know. I've seen the bugs. They, you know, they gestate the sarcophagus maggot. You no, know, it takes eight weeks. Hey, HEY! Oh, please! Watch where you're going, Blarney! Oh, boy! <laughs> you're like, Wait, what? What the fuck? <laughs> like, it's, it's really ridiculous. Still, he's not crazy manic Donald Pleasants like you kind of get used to because of, like, you know, Loomis and Halloween or even some of his other work. He, he's quite good in this movie.
0: Right, it's right before, like, the Halloween's four through all that, where he would go full-on craziness, like you're talking about. As opposed to here, there's a bit of a mixture of, like, subdued and just kind of silly. But at the same time, you are weirdly endeared to him and how he's trying to help Jennifer Connelly out, the only person who would really listen to her. Um, it's also interesting, given he's a sort of bald guy in a wheelchair. He's helping out this, this young girl who has this sort of, like, uh, superpower, to some extent. It's basically an X-Men movie.
1: God, I mean, I really.
0: <laughs> ESO Network, proud home of
1: geeks. <laughs> proud of geek culture. Hey! <laughs> uh, personally, the Jim Lee run was my favorite X Men run. No, anyways. Look, if uh, you
0: really think about it, I think the chimpanzee is really beast.
1: Yeah, basically, he's like a mix! Between Beast and uh, Jennifer Connolly, while well, controlling insects, it's almost like our uh, Jubilee set in a character. <laughs>
0: and we've lost but, all the um, ESO listeners that we had before.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, I'm fucking around. It is a stretch for our topic, this film, but it does fit. And it fits major- basically because of the insects.
0: I would kind of disagree in that I think the main reason it fits is because of the monkey we haven't mentioned a lot about but i would argue no not just at the end throughout the whole story i would argue like the, the monkey has a subplot the monkey has a genuine subplot about seeking vengeance that i think honestly makes it the best use of like a monkey in a film that motherfucker definitely attacks at the end but it's not just that. She ends up, like, r- I really feel empathy for that monkey Is like, I see her connection to Donald Pleasance, And then as the film goes along, like, when the attack scene happens, when he gets stabbed by the killer, that monkey's genuinely trying to, like, destroy that fucking door to get in. And then when she, like, gets on top of Donald Pleasance's body, looks genuinely sad, and is, like, roaming around, finds that fucking blade, and it's just like, you know what, I'm gonna seek my vengeance. Or even when she's on top of the car. <laughs> yeah, she becomes John Wick. That's right, you know It's like if John Wick, if Keanu Reeves died and that dog just fucked up people <laughs> Yep.
1: Well, I'm kind of thinking I'm back. Um, it's... <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. That's what makes this movie so fucking crazy. You know, you've seen it done in shitty horror movies before. Like, I got a, a big sample I can think of is like Hills Have Eyes 2, where the one dog remembers the shit from the first one and then carries out an attack. Yeah, you genuinely feel like There's an arc to this fucking chimp in this movie. Like, it has a whole character arc. It goes through a grieving, mourning, and then vengeful process. It's kind of nutty, dude. Like, it's nutty, but that just adds to the flavor of this movie. Of course the chimp has a vengeance backstory and arc to it in this fucking movie. Why wouldn't it? I mean, it just makes total sense. Which is also
0: really interesting even with the monkey given. There's a meta element of the monkey's attack in that on the set that monkey literally bit off Jennifer Connelly's finger and she had to reattach yeah, like that
1: shit. Half of it. Yeah. Like half of her finger took that shit off. Yeah. It's cause Dario Jenna was doing all a bunch of silly shit behind it. Like trying to get to look certain ways and move it and everything. And the monkey was probably like, no, fuck this. Like I'm done. <laughs> like I'm
0: done. I'm out. I'm out. Which, which proves at least like the weird kind of, um, you know, issues with working with animals on sets at the same time. Uh, but also, you did mention the bugs, uh, which I think are a, a great element for the movie in terms of, like, this movie loves to photograph, the, like, ladybugs or maggots, especially, like, the, the scene early on where we get that decapitated head that's, like, rotting away, and Dario was just like, poke, I'm gonna poke it with the camera, <laughs> basically, really gets yeah, in there.
1: That's the thing, you know, the practical effects in this movie hold up actually pretty well, dude. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly well. Um when she's summoning all the bugs or whatever, it's a little hokey, a little silly, you know, it's clearly just animation over top of it, but it's still effective. And, and, you know, the most effective scene is when all the kids sort of corner her in the fucking school and all like just a wave of flies come at the building.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's so gross. And he shows like the windows and all these flies just climbing all over each other. And it's just disgusting. It's cause I fucking hate bugs. I fucking hate them. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, you use your bug powers. Fuck these girls. <laughs> like it's, it's just, yeah, man. Like I said, it, the thing is, I'm trying to g- stream together a thought process on this movie, but I don't think this movie allows you to do so, so much. It's such a weird thing where, it, it, you know, the thought process of this film watching, like I said, it feels like a fever dream. And it's so enjoyable because of that to where, after it's over, I even find myself still to this day after seeing it probably ten times. Maybe, nah, yeah, maybe. Is still going, what the fuck did I just watch? But I love it. It's so bizarre. This movie is so fucking out there crazy bizarre. Yes, it does have you know, a subplot with someone seeking vengeance and trying to get revenge on its best friend being killed. But that someone happens to be a fucking science chimp. Like, it's just, you know, it's fucking crazy. It is crazy.
0: And we should mention, while all this is going on, it's also a slasher movie. Like, there are horrific kills yeah. involving this really dope weapon. I mean, I love all the close-ups of, like, this giant spear with, like, a very sh- sharp knife at the end of it. And all of, like, the actual kill scenes are upsetting. And kind of have allusions to some of Diardenta's early work, particularly, like, at the, at the very opening kill, when the woman goes, like, into the window. It feels very Suspiria.
1: I love the fact that, you know, they do the thing in the very beginning where you see the sort of chains pulling against the, the hooks and then finally coming free and stuff. At least for me, the way I always saw it is they're trying to fuck with you a little bit and make you think it might be the monkey. That's the killer. Mm-hmm. Like even to the point where the monkey comes in, and he's got the scalpel. In the very first scene, you're like, is this monkey fucking killing tourists? Like, what is happening here?
0: Well, and the funny thing is, that's... by, like, midway through the movie, that's a genuine suspect. It's the fucking monkey.
1: Yeah, the fucking monkey. The monkey might be a serial, a giallo serial murderer. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. It's amazing. And then when they show the killer, like, on the bus or whatever, when she sees it, it's wearing a trench coat and a hat. Like, you never see it. I'm like, is this is this monkey wearing a trench coat and a hat and people don't notice it? Like, it's just so silly. It, it could be I, the I
0: monkey. Just, it could be, like, the French tourist boys.
1: It could be three kids standing on top of each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just... That's what I'm saying. This movie is a fucking wild, wild movie. You know, most of our Gentos movies are nutty, dude, and really sort of surreal and stuff. But I'd almost argue this is, like really crazy one Right? it's really sort of out there
0: okay you've seen more of them than i have which is like considering the ones that i have seen like oh it's crazier than suspiria which is already a pretty crazy movie in general
1: yeah yeah no i agree i, I mean again one of my favorite movies ever but this dude she controls insects there's like a little mutant boy there's a monkey that's trying to get revenge there's decapitations there's maggot pits.
0: Before the sort of last 20 minutes or so of the movie, I think it has this weird ethereal thing that we're mentioning that, like, it kind of bounces between either a really weird nightmare or an intriguing dream, like, especially when Jennifer Connelly's sort of, like, um, sleepwalking around, it feels kind of very ethereal, but then once we get Daria Nicolodi, who we should mention, um, is, was a co-writer on Suspiria and was, like, a big collaborator with Daria Ardent, who recently passed away, um, she's Yeah,
1: how, uh, Frau whatever. Frau
0: Fra- Fra- Bruckner, it. which I kept just thinking like are yeah. the horse is about to win. Yes. Like, <laughs> every time they say her name. Um but the moment we get to like her sort of house and we get yeah. like all the stuff but like, oh hey, my son doesn't want to the reflections to be seen, and there's the weird dummy of the sun, and then we get oh. into like her trying to get the phone and then going into the tunnel. And like from there, this movie goes into even more bonkersville possible it becomes a genuine like this is what? a nightmare this is one of those nightmares like you don't forget
1: <laughs> yeah I agree it goes so fucking crazy and then when she finds the son and she's like oh it's okay come with me don't need to cry and he turns around and it's this horrible snotty, snotty drooling beast thing with like a normal hair boy's haircut and like wearing a cute little sweater and jeans he's like a gap kids ad and and it's like he turns around and it's 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 genuinely unsettling and surprising and and it looks creepy as fuck especially when they do the close-ups on the mouth with he's got this jagged misshapen mouth with all these horrible teeth and just constant wet drool coming out of it it's
0: creepy and it's weird and guess what no explanation why. That weirdly is the explanation of like why would this person keep going around murdering people? Oh, this is why Daria Nicolodi did it because of her of her weird son who like has this weird compulsion sure. so that drives her to yeah. murder people. um That's like uh-huh. the explanation. Just like oh, here's the explanation. Oh, it makes sense now. Right. <laughs> Go with it. Fuck it. She controls flies. Well, and by the way, this is also like this that sequence Adam described is following up a sequence where Jennifer Connolly falls through a tunnel. After, like, one of the police investigators is chained up in the basement, horribly bloody and scarred, just like, I'm here to help you. And then she drops into a vat that's full of, like, corpse parts and gore and dirt. Just liquid cess. It's literally
1: a vat of just cess and covered, just filled with bodies. And and Jennifer
0: Connelly's just horribly struggling in there while Dari Nicolodi's trying to kill her. And the police guy breaks his thumb to get his hand out.
1: Graphically. (laughs) Graphically, horribly, yes oh it's horrible
0: looking her breather moment is going down the hallway she's like oh okay oh hey this little boy let me help this little boy oh
1: god jesus christ what the (laughs) fuck (laughs) and once again that's (laughs) been followed
0: up by her like trying to run away from this boy who has the spear weapon get into a boat they have an attack she uses the insects to destroy the boy he goes in the water she tries to swim away his corpse is trying to get her and then she's like oh i'm not sure again oh look it's my agent hey agent he gets decapitated. <laughs> he
1: gets decapitated. Then she, then the, the, the Frau, whatever her fuck fr, Frau is, is about to kill Jennifer Connelly. Like she's got the whatever the hell it is to her throat, and she's bleeding. She's about to kill her. Then the monkey shows up fuck out of nowhere. Yes,
0: the monkey does, and
1: horribly, violently, and viscerally slices her face and throat to shit.
0: Yeah, it's the best movie ending that's ever happened in anything
1: all on screen, dude. And I mean, it's just fucking her up, man. It's crazy. It is crazy. The last 20 minutes of this movie is a fucking like chaos farm. Like what is happening here? How how do we get from these weird like sleepwalking dream sequences and, and the girls bullying her at school and sort of her having nightmares and her on a bus with a fly trying to track down a corpse and not necessarily slow, but a very methodical pace. To twenty minutes of just carnage and chaos.
0: It at least like peppers in some carnage and chaos in between those sequences. That's what I kind of like about the movie. Is that it mixes up like I said, the ethereal dream like stuff with these like horrible nightmare sequences. Or even just we we mentioned some of like the Like there's an Iron Maiden song in the soundtrack. There's a weird moment where a Motorhead song is used. Keep in mind, the the sequence where like Dal Pleasants gets murdered by the person is followed up with the monkey on top of the car of this mysterious murderer who we find out starring Nickelodeon later, but he's, like, on the car and tries to, like, get at him and then is flung off the car. No music. Then cut to Donald Pleasant's body taken out to the Motorhead song. One of the most bizarre soundtrack drops I've ever seen.
1: Well, even the dream sequence where it's got this fucking hardcore, like, whatever it's called, like, By the Blade or whatever by Iron Maiden. It's a fucking, it's a banger. Like, it's it's so cheesy and stupid, but it's exactly what Iron Maiden is you know, like just talking about angels and you know, you're just dump crazy shit. It's to a dream sequence. The first time you hear it of a girl running away from the killer that you don't see. Then she gets inside a building and it's about a minute of her just like slowly trying to find a place to hide behind boxes and nothing really going on and yet it's still got this fucking hardcore metal song playing over it and like what is the choice here like do we are we just like we're gonna play this whole song in its entirety no matter what yeah and that's kind of what it feels like and it's awesome for
0: it it feels like there are certain moments that feel like music videos but they fit perfectly into the movie at the same time like that's that's the interesting sure. thing, um, and then there's even also we should credit uh, Goblin who did the score for Suspiria also oh, does the okay. score here and it's dope. I think I might like the score a bit more than uh, most of the oh. other like like maybe more than Dawn of the Dead, maybe not as much as Suspiria I'll say.
1: No, it's not it's not as good as Suspiria.
0: But this, it's not. but that main theme is a fucking
1: banger though. Oh dude, it's amazing.
0: So great, and it's especially it scores like the moment where Jennifer Colley's in the middle of the forest looking at like the, the butterfly just like following yeah. it around <laughs> another weird scene. That's vo- like heavy metal. So this little girl walking yeah, I, through a fucking. Forest. I, know. I, know. I know.
1: It's amazing though. It, I wouldn't, like I said, this is one of those movies we've covered uh, for our show that it, it, it doesn't happen very often, but this is definitely one of those movies where I literally, I don't think I would change a thing about this movie. I really don't. Cause I think if you change anything about the movie, it's going to lose a, ton of its impact, even one, you know, even a score change, even an acting change, even changing the dubbing, anything I think it's going to take away from the movie.
0: It's interesting because I did actually watch the, a big thing. Some of you might know this movie under a different title because when it came to the States, it was cut down severely and retitled as Creepers. And I actually watched yep. the Creepers cut right before we did the show here and I will say it still has like a lot of the fun that we're talking about, but maybe it's because I've seen the other version so much that it feels like it's just sort of lacking. Cause it's mostly just cutting about 30 seconds out of like a lot of scenes that totals up to about like 30 minutes getting cut out. But at the same time, yeah. some of that stuff feels like the biggest sequence that's probably gone is the bit where she's like on the EKG or whatever, like when they're trying to give her that treatment and she sees the weird flashes, that's the big scene that's missing. And I feel like that, adds a lot to her character and it's a bummer that's gone
1: i saw it as creepers first mm-hmm. when i first saw it i, I had a uh, uncle who was really into these movies and he would let me you like show them to me and stuff like he i don't think necessarily he was an argento fan but he liked weird obscure sort of horror movies like he was definitely one of those guys who would go into the video store and pick pick something based on the you know the case the cover art alone and i remember thinking it was dumb uh, also, I was young, but still, for be a young person to watch this movie and think it's dumb, then that says something because this movie should have scared the shit out of me as a child. Then I saw it probably two to three years later as Phenomena, like the actual cut. Like my uncle got found a laser disc version of it, and uh, dude, I fucking it's it. A, it scared me. The pacing is so much better in this cut. And, and it's just—it's so unnerving and creepy and weird. The, the Creepers tries to make it just sort of a run-in-the-mill shitty '80s horror movie, and and it's not that at all. This is not that at
0: all. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree that I think it works a lot better because, like, it also cuts out just a lot of like the ethereal pacing stuff that makes this mm-hmm. c- cemented as a dream weird movie. I think that's what makes it just sort of work as well as it does. But I, I guess we can spin this off into final thoughts because we have a whole other movie to talk about, Adam. So your final thoughts oh. on Phenomena.
1: Well, like I said, you know, I, this is definitely one of those where, it, to me, it's a perfect movie. I, I find myself thinking that most Argento movies um, are perfect, if not damn near. And I really, really like this one. This is probably in my top three of the Argento films. Uh, it's it's of course always going to be Suspiria number one and then it's either going to be Deep Red or Inferno at number two and then Phenomena solid number three I, I just think it's an absolute perfect film I love the score I love the look of it I love the way it makes you sort of question reality at a point because like how does this movie exist um, and what am I watching and does any of this have anything to do with anything else in the movie and ultimately it all does sort of tie together but while you're watching it, you don't really get that that's what's going on. You're like, this is just fucking crazy shit. Um, again, I, I i think it's a perfect movie. It's its a 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, easily for me.
0: Um, yeah, I love this one as well. I will agree, I think Zephyria is the better film. But at the same time, I think this one is a bit more of at least the fun watch. I would say this is the better group watch, for example. I've watched this with groups of friends, and they have been mind-blown like what the fuck is even happening and it's consistently really entertaining because i think it has this quality because of the dream dreaminess of it that makes it feel like it points oh hey this kind of feels like almost a so bad it's good movie but then it goes into like oh this is genuinely like artful and beautiful then into oh my god this is a weird horror movie then animal attack movie it's it's uh you get a real bargain for your buck <laughs> like it, it feels like oh it's a uh, 15 different movies in one package um and it but it feels at the same time like it, it works in that kind of like dream-like connective way. And I, I would definitely recommend, especially it, well, the beauty of it is we've said a lot of things that happened in the movie, we spoiled the ending literally, but I can definitely say if, if you listen to all of this and you have not seen Phenomena, and you're like, oh, did they kind of ruin it? You can't really ruin Phenomena. Phenomena yeah, yeah. is so fucking wild that you have to see it for yourself, and we would firmly recommend doing so. It's on a bunch of streaming services, like Shudder, Tubi, yeah. it's like on a bunch of
1: It's them. free on Prime. It's free on just yeah. regular Prime.
0: Right, too. yes. Uh, So we would definitely recommend that one. Also, just to keep emphasizing on the connection of the episode, best use of a monkey in a movie. (sighs) Period. Is it? Yeah, probably. Probably. (laughs) King Kong, get off that throne. Get off.
1: King Kong's not a real fucking monkey. I mean, if we're talking real monkeys, then this is the best one.
0: Well, technically, this isn't a real monkey character. If <laughs> we're going to go into that it's a
1: monkey. It's a monkey, though. It's a living monkey.
0: Well, it's not living anymore, Adam.
1: You don't know that. <laughs> God, you're a terrible
0: person. <laughs> That's true. I shouldn't question your artificial reality. But uh, before we go into another artificial reality of our next feature, let's uh, hear a promo for an ESO show you can queue up right after ours
1: attention people of earth looking for a way to kill half an hour
0: every week
1: try the flopcast it's a silly podcast about cartoons music comics movies obscure pop culture from the 70s and 80s and chickens Uh, join us bring coffee we're on the eso network and we're at flopcast.net
0: and let's get into our next feature Congo, Doctor Ross, we've got satellite from the Congo. What was that? Its
1: treasures have never been found. Its mysteries never revealed.
0: People dead. A gray gorillas. What's that thing? Is a gray gorilla?
1: Because there are still places on Earth that man may never survive. We are watching you. From the best-selling author of Jurassic Park, Congo,
0: rated PG-13, starts Friday, June 9th at theaters everywhere. So Congo came out June 9th, 1995, uh, directed by Frank Marshall, who is um, an interesting director and kind of fits the weird cast and crew of this film, um, where Frank Marshall is a guy who has produced, who produced a lot of like the big Spielberg movies of the 80s and 90s, um, going back to Raiders. And also to tie into our last episode, uh, he worked with Peter Bogdanovich a lot and he was like a location manager on Last Picture Ship. Um, before this, he had directed Arachnophobia, which is another sort of creature feature movie. Um, he hasn't directed that many movies, um, but it's weird. He just directed the that Bee Gees documentary that recently came out, that I've heard a lot mm-hmm. of acclaim for, actually. This is based on a Michael Crichton novel, though not written by him. He had originally tried to write a version of the story, and he wanted to have Sean Connery play, the character that ended up being played by Ernie Hudson. Uh, but he really balked at the idea of not being able to have a real chimp play the main monkey character that was his big sticking point um and so john patrick Shanley wrote it who was a guy we've talked about before who wrote we're back a dinosaur story <laughs> um and joe made joe versus the volcano but also like won an oscar for moonstruck was nominated for doubt uh, just directed that weird irish movie starring christopher walken where he did a really bad irish accent <laughs>
1: oh fucking hell yeah
0: okay <laughs> so that's that's already like those are the people behind the scenes um and this trying to get this ape named amy uh, who's able to talk with this like voice assisted uh glove thing back into the congo and along the way um the researcher and some other people get roped into the discovery of a lost civilization that has like a bunch of ancient apes, but also diamonds. It's a crazy, crazy movie. Um, But uh, Adam, this was your bad pick. So um, we'll uh, go ahead and uh, divulge it. But why'd you pick this one as the bad one?
1: Uh, Because I hate it. No, that's not true. I don't don't hate it. I used to really, really hate it. Uh, Now as I've gotten older and I've seen it a couple more times, I, I, I sort of appreciate the campiness and zaniness to it. Like there's so many dumb decisions that are made in this movie, but I can't fucking stand Dylan Walsh. He is so just a bland, vapid thing for me. Like it's just he he's there. I guess it could have been anybody else. It would have been better.
0: You can tell watching just like oh they really wanted like a Tim Robbins or somebody like talented as opposed he's to a hundred, a hundred. He's 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 100%. the big winkling. Wink. Uh, I agree, especially with a huge cast that like is, includes Laura Those Linney. Nuts. Ernie Hudson, Joe, Don Baker, Tim Curry, the Joe Patliano, Delroy Lindo, John Hawks, Bruce Campbell at the very beginning. It's
1: insane. I mean, it's, it's on and on and on and on. Frank Karen. I mean, it just doesn't end. James Karen. Uh, James Karen, whatever. You know what, man? Take it easy, all right? No, yeah, James Karen.
0: Idawale Ikanue Ajube, who many would recognize from, like, uh, as Killer Croc or Mr. Echo from Lost, also shows up in a brief part. So many people who either were famous at the time or would go on to have big careers are in this movie.
1: Dude, Homeboy in the Underworld movies. The one who wrote it.
0: Right, the the guy uh, Kevin right? Kevin Gravoise, yeah. yeah. He
1: shows up as one one of the military guys. Yes. I mean, it's a huge cast. I don't like Joe Don Baker as a bad guy. I gotta be honest. It just doesn't work for
0: me. I kind of love. Um, it. I kind of love this movie. Honestly, that's what I was going to say. Um, I I think uh, I agree. It's a very okay. dumb movie, but it's a movie that I think embraces the dumb reality that's it's engaging with in a very fast paced way. Despite being like it's about an hour fifty minutes, it does not feel that length to me. It goes by at such no, a breeze because there's always something going on. Just once again, this is another movie kind of like phenomena where just things are being introduced that are crazy. Right off the bat with, like, oh, hey, within the first five minutes, like, uh, Bruce Campbell is like, hey, Laura Lee, my ex-fiancé, I love you so much. Oh, no, our signal got cut while I'm in the Congo. Let me find your... Right- oh, look, there's an eye while I'm trying to eat a bar. <laughs> the movie starts that way and doesn't really let up. I can make a,
1: a functioning laser rifle using diamonds. I mean, it's fucking nutty. However... MVP Tim Curry.
0: Yes, Tim Curry, who who plays like some sort of vague Eastern European guy. He's
1: supposed to be Romanian, and and, and
0: uh, I don't think that's accurate. <laughs> well, after I find the lost city of Z, I will catch moose and squirrel.
1: You're right. Basically, I mean that's pretty accurate. That that's exactly what his accent is. There's so many, so much wacky shit in this movie. Like these, the ape with, the, you know, oh, she's allowed to have one martini.
0: No, what? Amy, Amy the Gorilla. Sir, so you respect her name.
1: She's not real. You're not real, man. <laughs>
0: no, oh, I'm glad you found it out for yourself. Pulls off mask. I am Amy the Gorilla.
1: Hate you, Adam. Adam, hate you.
0: <laughs> they really improved that t- that power glove technology so I've been able to talk this uh, way for 150 so- episodes.
1: Yeah, you do it really well, Amy. Um, <laughs> ugly girl, Adam. Ugly girl. <laughs>
0: Tickle Amy. Tickle.
1: <laughs> but no it, it's you know but even that being said where it is you know obviously a, a an actor in a suit as amy and even the other apes that show up and stuff they still kind of look pretty
0: good like it yeah. still kind of up credit to it's a uh, stan winston who did this who mainly did this because at this time rick baker was the big guy for apes He'd done like Gorillas in the Mist and Greystoke, and he was like, I don't want to do my gorilla suits. And I agree, they look really great. I do agree with some of his grievances about especially the apes at the end, not because they don't look cool, yes. but because they're lit terribly <laughs> in this uh-huh. weird soundstage that just looks like this doesn't fit perfectly for these days. But then again, the, the charm of especially that ending is just, um, and I say charm because uh, there's so much carnage. Like, how they completely turn a species of ape extinct. At the end of that oh, fucking they,
1: movie. Oh, they, they destroy an entire species.
0: Yep, completely. Like, they them and the volcano. The volcano like, helped a lot.
1: Sure, but they also killed at least, like, 50 of them. <laughs> like, like, they're not fucking around. You know, hit them with laser guns and regular guns and bombs and everything. I mean, they fucked those things up.
0: But but even before uh, those guys, there's also, like, some apes. Like, Amy, when she's in the Congo, trying to communicate with her, like, hand thing, her sign language. She's able to communicate with. And I love those apes that show up and they're like, hey, there's another ape. What's up? And she's like, Hi, I'm Amy. Amy, what's your name? And they look over, like, No, we ain't fucking with that. No, we're not. Yeah, they're like, Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh.
1: No, uh-uh. no, no. No, no, no.
0: Kids, stay away. Stay away from the weird ape.
1: And I'm glad you brought up the soundstage thing because once they actually find the city of Zinj or Zin or whatever the hell it is, it's so clearly a soundstage for the rest of the movie.
0: Yeah, it, it looks very sort of poor there. It, even even when they're exploring the Congo, like, they really switch between, hey, this is clearly natural location stuff and very bad jungle set, like, very often. Yeah. It does that a lot. Um, but I think at the same time, despite some of those, like, clear production things, I'm just so amused by, like, we haven't even talked about, I love Ernie Hudson in this movie so much as this guy who's, like, their um sort of guide but also he's this great white hunter as he says and he has this weird like mid-atlantic accent like he's fucking Cary grant but it's dope i love him so much i'm just like watching this like you know what why didn't we get the cool fucking ernie hudson adventure movie why didn't he get his own nana jones style like fun adventure series he deserved it
1: yeah i agree he this is my favorite ernie hudson ever He's so good in this. the The accent he's putting on is perfect. He's super charming. Like he's buff as fuck. Like he is. Me. Like, like, whoa, weird. Ernie Hudson's like fucking jacked.
0: He's got like a burly buffness to him that really works.
1: Yeah, he looks like a circus strongman. He's got, like, a belly and shit, but he's still bugged. He looks like Tom Hardy as Bane.
0: He's a curly mustache away from basically being, like, one of those pugilist boxers.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> kind right, of like, exactly. He has that kind of, yeah, which, I by 100%. the
0: way, also, I love the look of when there was one point where they are on an airplane, and the pilot looks, has, like, that kind of curly mustache. He looks oh, like Nigel looks Thornberry, th- which is interesting, <laughs> given Tim Curry's on the plane.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you expect Ernie Hutz to be like, I went 12 rounds with John L. Sullivan himself. You're like what? <laughs> you know, got his hands down by his side,
0: and then the pilot comes up and says, "It was smashing."
1: Yes, yeah, bully! <laughs> bully, bully, bully. <laughs> no, I, I, I do think this is a fun movie. I, I don't think it's a good movie. I, I, I don't think I could ever say Congo is a good movie. I do find it very entertaining, though. I've never been big on Laura Linney either, but she's pretty good in this. Like I said, it's just the whole linchpin of the cast basically is Laura Linney and Dylan Walsh and this fucking ape. And the ape is more real than Dylan Walsh.
0: That's very true. I don't disagree. I think Dylan Walsh is just a complete vacuum of charisma that everyone else is trying to work around. And I think most of them do a pretty good job of doing that. Like, like you met, even like Grant Heslov, who was an actor and then became a producer, big partners with George Clooney, won an Academy Award. Um, he's, uh, has more energy to him he's a weird wiry dude
1: yeah well you know if anybody's wondering who grant has is first thing i remember him from is true lies with arnold schwarzenegger
0: that is true he is in true lies yes
1: yeah him and tom arnold there are arnold's like right hand guys yes you know and, and john
0: hawks right john hawks shows up as a guy from the bruce campbell investigation who is like oh i'm like in a weird dead state and then he gets up and screams and starts running around um or even like we haven't mentioned much about him but man i love joey pants when he shows up because he like leads them initially off of like the airport and he hears the gorilla use the sign language talking device he's just like talking gorilla i smell money <laughs> like, what the
1: fuck yeah. are you what is yeah it's this? like you trying to sell that gorilla? I get you twenty five thousand cash right now. <laughs> Holy shit! It talks. We're talking a hundred k. Like yeah, man. He's got a dangly earring and a Hawaiian shirt.
0: Oh, and that hat—that glorious, terrible that hat. That
1: glorious, beautiful hat. The reason I love his character so much, too, is because who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> Like, how is he so entwined in Africa to where all these people know who he is and he could break down doors and get things done? Where is that guy from? Like, is he like a ex-CIA agent? Which, of course, Laura Linney is. uh, But it's like, who is he? It's amazing. He reminds me of, like, Sully from the Uncharted series.
0: He's like Magnum P.I. if he didn't give a shit about helping people.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And mustacheless.
0: Well, true mustacheless, um, and also, like we mentioned, uh, Delroy Lindo has like, an uncredited cameo as like, a sort of warlord dude who they try and like, mm-hmm. make some sort of offering with to get past a border, and he has the line of the movie of just, like, stop eating my sesame cake.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, hell yeah, dude. And then he puts the money in that <laughs> brown paper bag and staples it shut for safekeeping. Like, hell yeah, dude. And this is, like, pre-Delroy Lindo being anybody.
0: That's true. This is the same year as, like, It's Shorty when he showed up. So this is, like, very early in his career. Also, just briefly off topic, you'll know when we record this around, uh, recently robbed of an Oscar nomination for The Five Bloods, which is horseshit, I will still say.
1: Horribly, horribly robbed. Horribly, horribly. robbed. Yes.
0: Uh, but also, like, you even mentioned Joe Don Baker, who I don't, like, Joe Don Baker's one of those fascinating figures where I don't think he's a very good actor, but when he especially gets to be sort of B-movie silly, like in some of the, um like mitchell or the final justice like the mst 3 k movies or even this he brings that energy to i would argue in in the opening sequence he fucking throws a chair through one of his tv screens and is so pissed off every time he yells like especially near the end where Lord is like but unfortunately um you know he passed bruce campbell passed away did you get the diamond
1: did you get the goddamn diamond (laughs) whoa wait a minute (laughs) yeah dude well he's buford from the original walking tall right I just, I don't know. I always see him as Felix Leiter in the fucking uh, Pierce Brosnan, James Bond movies. That's how I've always sort of to right. him to. And he is not that in
0: this. No, but he's so fun. That's, that's the thing is even like, I agree that this movie isn't necessarily the most well put together movie, but also I think it's the epitome of like a beautiful cable watch. Like this is the perfect movie to play on like a Sunday when you're hungover. And it's, like, so incredibly fun, but also it's not taxing for you to, like, really think about it that hard. Because it, like, moves along at such a clip that you don't really, like, give that much of a shit. It's so entertaining, I'd honestly say. I think I was more in your camp when I first saw it ages ago. And then I recently rewatched it with, like, as a group watch kind of thing with some friends. And I'm like, oh my god, wait, this is just, like, so much fucking fun. Like, this is honestly one of the, I would say it's one of the way better, like, bad picks we've ever done for the show. I would say.
1: I, I agree, because it's just silly. It's just yeah. a silly movie. I mean, she fucking... She programs that fucking laser to, to, to shoot down a satellite.
0: After it was used to chop off a monkey's hand.
1: <laughs> horribly cut monkeys in half. Yeah, like she was of... cutting them motherfuckers in half and shit. Like it, she was, she was surgical with that shit.
0: And those that she didn't decimate that way, the the fucking volcano ended up coming and destroying the city. And the monkeys either were like pushed off or just committed suicide. <laughs> so many monkeys commit suicide by jumping into the fucking volcano lava. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I know
1: <laughs> those monkeys were just done with life.
0: And by the way, beautiful bad CG lava. Like, it, it looks straight out of like Aladdin, like the Cable Wonders bit in Aladdin.
1: <laughs> it looks like Aladdin out of the Super Nintendo game. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so fucking All stupid. All this stuff
0: is so entertaining that I don't give a shit about somebody like Diller Walsh. Like, whatever. Like, he's there. I
1: just, I just can't stand him. I, I know he's just there, but I got to, you know, somebody with a little bit more even life behind their performance would have made this even more entertaining. It's just anytime he's on screen, it's like throwing a wet blanket, you know, and it's just, it's, yeah, I just, he's so bland and boring and you're supposed to give a shit about his relationship with Amy. And I don't at all. Main crux of the fucking story is this fucking ape Amy and this dude who trained her and he's ultimately got to let her go and everything like that. And you don't care. I do not care at all. I'd rather see more of these, Laser light defense systems that somehow are actual lasers that hurt the gorillas when they try to get into them, or a fucking crazy awesome hippo attack?
0: Yes, we didn't mention the hippo attack. That's amazing. With a great animatronic hippo. That's my favorite bit of the movie, the hippo Mm -hmm. attack.
1: Because the whole time you're like, oh shit, alligators or crocodiles or whatever the fuck. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, maybe even Komodo dragons or pythons. No, it's a giant-ass hippo. It's
0: badass. No, and this is also following up a weird sequence where, like, when they get out onto the river for the first time, he's, uh, Dylan Lostert's singing California Dreamin' and all of the different mercenaries from Africa sing along with him. Also a good scene. I will say that's a good scene. Right, but it's also insane. Like, how do they all know California Dreamin' this well and can communicate this well to, like, harmonize? Word by word, and not their native tongue. Right. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty insane, yeah. But that's the thing, is like this movie just introduces so many weird... I think that's a credit to John Patrick Shanley, who is one of those screenwriters that likes to kind of like have fun with whatever he's doing, aside from, like obviously, the more serious stuff. But this feels like the same guy who would like be joking but still treat the material serious enough and like moonstruck and other stuff like that. It feels like his kind of creative, silly edge makes the movie work as well as it does. Yeah, I think that's accurate.
1: Because, you know, like I said, when I was a kid, hated it but I also wasn't looking at it from that angle I was looking at it like Jurassic Park with monkeys because I knew it was Michael Crichton and all that shit an action movie and I mean and you get that you know the thing is ultimately as you get older and you're sort of refine your tastes or you can appreciate sort of the silliness of things or the subtext or maybe what the vision was behind it I, I mean like I said I don't think it's a good movie but I do think it's one of the most entertaining bad movies that we've had on the show.
0: Yeah, I would not say there's much subtext to the movie as much as there is. No, just no, like, no. <laughs> there's a consistent energy that makes it so much fun. It, it also feels kind of like you mentioned Jurassic Park. This is definitely part of that weird post-Jurassic Park blockbuster era where everyone was trying like, oh, fuck, let's adapt more, more Michael Crichton novels and all this other stuff. Yeah. From what I've heard about and Congo, it's-, it's not that interesting a novel. Like, it's not that like... It's a, not-
1: I've read the book. I've read the book. And uh, it's not bad. The movie definitely makes it more fun, the source material. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But no, out of the Crichton books I've read, which there's not that many, it's definitely the weakest of the ones that I've personally read.
0: Yeah, it just has, like, this really fun energy that doesn't feel like it comes from a Crichton as much. It's just from a post-Jurassic Park, like especially Frank Marshall directing. It's just like, I want to do what my buddy Steve kind of did um, and do this with... We should mention his wife is producer Kathleen Kennedy, who now runs Lucasfilm. Oh, no shit. Well, yeah. good for her. Right, and she's been the producer with him uh, for a while. But uh, let's go into our final thoughts here on this particular movie. Adam, your final thoughts on Congo.
1: Like I said, I don't think it's a, a great movie, but I do think it's very fun. Uh, it's, it has a level of camp to it that I'm able to appreciate now and, and have a good time with it. (sighs) If it wasn't for Dylan Walsh, I know I keep harping on that, but if it wasn't for Dylan Walsh, I think I'd like this movie more than I do. Uh, but Arnett, I think it's, I think it's perfectly fine. I think it's fun. It's just, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. We were apparently definitely robbed of Bruce Campbell originally auditioned for that part but then was given the smaller part at the beginning. If we had been switched, this movie would be kind of perfect. I, I, I 100% agree. You mentioned Bruce Campbell as a fucking monkey scientist. Oh my...
1: Dude, just perfect. Perfect.
0: You all need to respect my little girl Amy. Listen up. This is Amy. Hey, screw heads! <laughs> Listen! <laughs> Even her like, weird fucking like, glove kind of looks like the thing from Army of Darkness.
1: That glove is so stupid. It's just got random fucking, like, circuit boards glued to the top of, like, a an old lady's tendonitis
0: brace. <laughs> well, it's the power glove. It's so bad. I just love also that she, Amy wears that around in the Congo constantly. And it's like, you wouldn't put that piece of equipment, like, somewhere? Yeah. You know, Amy, like, so, so, so Amy doesn't destroy it while she's just walking around in the fucking jungle?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. That thing has, like, everlasting... Like power to it too? Where does it plug into? Like, what the fuck? Whatever. And she Maybe has that when
0: see. they leave. She's just like, well, it looks like I have <laughs> to leave. Bye. By the way, I love that she's like, oh, bye, everybody, like on the hot air balloon as the volcano is erupting, like behind her. Like, she's probably not going to live that long if this volcano keeps erupting. No, she's <laughs> gone. She's, she doesn't know how to survive in the wild. She's going to starve in a week.
1: If she doesn't get her martinis, like, what is she, what's going to happen to her? The withdrawals that ape is going to have. It's gonna be terrible. Amy have problem. <laughs> Amy sick. It's gonna be her in a bed like a train spotting, except it's the the little stuffed monkey crawling on the ceiling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and I mean for for my final thoughts, I'll just get into briefly. Um, I think this movie is a lot of fun. I think it's very entertaining. I can't agree that it's not like the most well constructed movie necessarily. Um, and definitely kind of falls into a lot of the weird sort of problems that these blockbusters around this time kind of handled but at the same time i think it's never boring i think all of the cast is so committed to whatever movie they're in this isn't a great example of like we talk about that where all these different actors feel like they're in a different movie but this is a rare example where that works because they're in different movies but they're just adjacent enough to like make it work it's like imagine this movie is a bubble and all the cast are inside the bubble and they're all like different ends and they're trying to almost make it like pop but they never managed to like they've managed to work so well that it floats all the way from one end to the other of the movie and it never pops. That's what I kind of feel this movie is. It's this weird jam packed bubble of everything. And it still manages to be incredibly entertaining throughout, despite, you know, having so many disparate elements around it. It's uh, it's so great. It makes you want to stop eating sesame cake.
1: I don't like sesame cake anyway. So I mean, Delroy Lindo will be boys.
0: That's the end of our uh, discussion of our two movies for the week. And uh, we have some stuff to discuss before we get to the picking for next week. So stay tuned for that. Very special episode next week. We'll get into that in a bit. But first, we want to do some stuff like read some feedback. Because over at DEDB Pod on Facebook and Twitter, we ask all y'all, hey, what are your favorite, least favorite things of whatever whatever movie that we do? And so uh, we ask y'all, hey, what about animal attack movies? So we got a few people who contributed, like James Rodriguez, at Rodders, j 04, who is a friend of the show, obviously, um, says, I was uh, thoroughly impressed with the Planet of the Apes trilogy starring Andy Serkis, an exemplary reimagining of a long-running franchise. A special mention is deserved to 2019's Crawl, the frightening alligator film. And less impressive are stuff like the Sharknado films. They're just so tired and because they're so in on the joke. And then uh, Christian Alvarez says, uh, Animal attack movies are a fun genre that while it can be corny, can always be Im- impressive more than not um the worst of the genre include Perdemic, sharktopus and *Cujo* to name only a few and the best of the genre are jaws the birds jurassic park on a technicality and a couple of guilty pleasures like sex playing in and the mic
1: you know I, I agree with rotters on the uh circus ape movies i fucking love that trilogy i think that is such a great great trilogy of films i think the second one's probably the my favorite one out of the three but right. i still think they're all three just really, really good.
0: And even within, like, the larger context of all the other eight movies from before, like, I would argue of the various eight movies, there are only two I would consider genuinely, like, bad.
1: Of the Planet of the Apes movies in, in general? In total, yes.
0: I would say the Tim Burton remake, which we've talked about, obviously. Yeah. Um, and then the Battle, the last of the original series. Yes, I think is quite I bad. Otherwise, I, I think they're all, like, really fun or interesting. Fuck
1: yeah, dude. They're amazing. I love that series. Um, And The Meg, I agree with Christian, is just a guilty pleasure. It's not a good movie in any way, but it's super fun. One of my favorite things ever is when they're trying to find him, he's like, oh, he's been somewhere just drinking. You know, he's given up on life. And it's Jason Statham supposed to be a drunk who's given up on life. And he's still like Jason Statham physically fit like laying on a beach somewhere with fucking like tequila and all around him where he's a he's given up he's an alcoholic but he still looks like captain america like it's pretty amazing
0: i i wasn't as big on the meg honestly because i feel like it kind of runs into not as bad but similar territory to the Sharknado movies where it feels too in on the joke and i think it's because not necessarily of statham but a lot of the people around him like a Wilson, well, Wilson and a lot of the Wilson. other cast yeah. members just feel like oh they're like not really treating any of this like in a serious way that would make this fun of, like, a giant shark movie. But then again, shark yeah. movies are also just really hard. There aren't that many good outside of Jaws. Like, the only other ones I can think of are, like, The Shallows, which I think is yeah. genuinely quite impressive. Like, Lively's very good in it.
1: The first 47 Meters Down was pretty fun. It wasn't terrible. I,
0: I really like 47 Meters Down up until the ending. I'm really not a fan of
1: that ending. I agree, but you gotta figure still... And- in comparison to other Shark movies, it, it's up there as far as quality. Sharknado, fuck off. Like, I don't even fuck off with those. I, I The only one I've ever seen was because Riff tracks did one. Even watching it with Riff Tracks, it was hard to watch. They're so bad. And they are so in on the joke at this point, where I don't think that was the case in the first one. But then they realized like people thought it was silly and stupid and funny so they capitalized on it and just got worse celebrity cameos and got dumber with it and it just made it terrible i mean it's terrible
0: i want to mention two that i watched recently that might be a bit more under the radar um one is the alternative choice that i hadn't seen before when we did the picking here uh, my alternative choice of phase four which if you don't know is like an, about a bunch of ants that are like sort of alien and like are attacking people um one of the more bizarre movies i've ever seen it's I, I don't think I've ever seen that, to be honest. It's a B-movie setup of, like, oh, alien ants have basically, like, taken over the world and are, like, so immediately deadly that they've, like, killed most of the populations. And it feels like a B-movie, but it's directed by Saul Bass, who, if you don't know, is the guy who did a bunch of, like, the tile designs for, like, um, the Alfred Hitchcock movies. Like, he designed the Psycho main credits. Yeah. And he makes it into, like, sort of a weird meditative Kubrick movie. <laughs> almost this fucking killer ant movie it's very insane and especially if you see the alternative ending that's one of the more like stylistic crazy things i'm like oh my god why didn't we have this This is so bizarre i think i would recommend it to anybody who can stand a like 80 minute movie being very slow paced (laughs) like extremely but i think it's very interesting check that out yeah i'm interested in that it's on hulu and prime as of when we're recording this i would recommend it to people. Um, and then one that's not as readily available, but I recently saw and like was astonished, but I didn't, wasn't aware of it, uh, Razorback. Oh, so good. It's this Australian movie, if you don't know out there, that basically, it literally starts with, at the very beginning, a grandpa is putting its, the little infant grandson to bed, and it's like having a few drinks. And then once he puts the kid to bed, all of a sudden, a massive boar the size of a truck rages through their house, kills the little kid, and the house is like burning up and set on fire. That's been the first, Uh like, three minutes of the movie, (laughs) and it's Uh a revenge movie about him trying to get that pig, but also there's a bunch of different other stuff, and it's directed, it's the first movie from uh, Russell Mulkey, I forgot how to pronounce his name, but the guy who directed Highlander after
1: that. Yeah, Russell Mulkey.
0: Right, and he was also very famous for, like, doing a bunch of music videos prior to this, like, especially for, like, Duran Duran and stuff like that. Um, He makes it so stylized in such an interesting way.
1: And how legit does that fucking boar look?
0: And you don't see a lot of it, but it's so intimidating. It's such a great animatronic. Yeah, it's awesome. I love
1: Razorback. Absolutely oh, I'm sorry. Razorback.
0: We should pronounce it the correct way of
1: Razorback. Yeah, I'm sorry. Razorback. Razorback. Well oh, that pig got your
0: baby, eh? Razorback. <laughs> I love how the movie ends <laughs> up taking place, like, in the Mad Max universe. Like, all the other Uh-oh. vagrants just look like fucking Mad Max extras. It's
1: great. Just walk away. We'll kill the pig for you. Just walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Who run Razorback? back? Anyways.
0: coming. I know, but those are ones I recently watched that I want to spotlight. Are there any that you would want to spotlight that maybe weren't mentioned?
1: Well, like we said, Jaws, of course. I was never big on the birds. I, you know, one that I can remember was one of the worst movies I've ever seen was called Python with Robert Englund. Oh, um, Okay. Oh, I can't remember who else is in it, but there was another star at the time. I, I can't remember her name, but it was, it's it's so fucking just dumb and bad. And then obviously the Anaconda movies, all four of them, I think. Are pretty bad. The first one's interesting because John Voight trying to do a Cajun accent is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. And it was also an early like J-Lo ice cube vehicle. But yeah, you know, like there's bats, there's. Arachnophobia, Night of the Lepus. I mean, there's a ton that are out there. Just, I never really got into it as a subgenre. If something about little animals, especially the little animal movies, like Night of the Lepus or Frogs or something like that, I'm like, dude, I would just stomp on these motherfuckers. Like, this isn't intimidating to me. Now, in hindsight, as an adult, we're like, yeah, you could stomp on, you know, maybe 20 of them, but when there's hundreds, what the fuck are you going to do? But, I don't know, it's just never really a subgenre that clicked for me too much.
0: Yeah, one bad one I would want to spotlight like, just because I think it's mostly a boring movie, and then the last like the climax of it is weirdly fun in a bad movie way is Prophecy.
1: Oh, with the fuck bear,
0: or as I like to call it, the salami bear.
1: <laughs> Isn't Cause... that the one with Armada Sante? Is an American Indian?
0: I think it is. I, it's been a, oh, a long. I I, mo- I mainly remember the bear. <laughs> yeah. It's so
1: stupid. What a stupid <laughs> fucking movie. That's a, that's one that people like finally remember, which I get, because it is kind of it's wacky, but it just it's not good.
0: Yeah, um, I did also want, just to go slightly back to the Meg. I wasn't a big fan of that, but I'm very curious of you know who's supposed to direct the the sequel, right?
1: No, I don't know that I do.
0: As of this recording, the person attached to direct is Ben Wheatley. Like, the guy who did Kill List?
1: I know! What?
0: (laughs) Come on! I'm... Really? I'm deadly curious if he's gonna do it. Just like, well, it'll be interesting. I don't like all that dude's movies, but they're all interesting.
1: (laughs) Oh. By the way, I I just figured out. Um, Python. It's Jenny McCarthy, Robert England, Will Wheaton, and Casper Van Dien. are sort of the main characters
0: God, that's, a, <laughs> that's a cast made in hell
1: ed Williams zapka uh from uh he's johnny from karate kid and also in the new cobra oh, kai
0: right yes that that's just that's uh that's an interesting cast with that when robert england is your top echelon that acting group <laughs> dude,
1: like the tippity top the tippity top I, that, that's that's no that's no, so no
0: disrespect to robert england despite his career of doing oh, a bunch of oh, horror oh. films that sounds way under his weight class and that's a sad thing <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's yeah, uh, yes, I agree. It's terrible.
0: Um, but I also had a bit of brief, uh, well, it's not a brief bit of feedback, this is a, a longer bit of feedback in reference to our last episode from Scott Johnson, another friend of the show, just like Christian and James. Um, <sighs> Scott wrote an interesting little mini essay about last week's episode that yeah. I found fascinating, so I'll read it here. As you watch both of these films, which is referring to The Last Picture Show and Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure, um, you shall discover that they both exist on two opposing axes of the same planet. The harsh brutality of post-war America that crushes humanity to dust um, is contrasted versus the infinite, facile mirage of comfort presented in the children's movies. Um, Heroes such as the cowboy and the diner owner have twisted into grinning caricatures. The hopes of exploration and escape from reality is merely an illusion, as the sombrero cannot fly high enough, nor can the car get to, like, Texoma. Um, And Cloris Leachman is a linchpin, for the tragedy of, of Ruth Popper comes from a loveless marriage where she feels the anger and contempt... That must be suppressed to survive she spirals and swirls like many circles in the human that is dotty rounder perhaps the, they are lost souls using the same vessel where life can only be defined by how you survive these two polar opposites the white and black wolves of cinema exist within the same end goal as we know both films left adam shaken and verklempt who knows if ken visselman was inspired by peter bogdanovich however these musings would only have come up because of the tireless discovery of double-edged double bill you know
1: <clears throat> pretentious is a word that popped in my head right away
0: <laughs> it's times like these i wish that werner herzog had a cameo account and scott could just get him to read that
1: <laughs> could you imagine it'd be so great but then he would just throw some crazy shit into it
0: would we be against that at all
1: <laughs> no god I, I wish we could do werner herzog to do our opening every week <laughs> this week on double-edged double bill the phenomenon of congo like yeah <laughs> get I, leave the child with me like ah oh, fucking Werner Herzog no you know the thing is fuck you scott um very well written and and you're right those those movies both affected me uh violently just on opposite ends of the spectrum so you know hey man I guess
0: you're right. I don't know we really want to hear from that. <laughs> we, we appreciate it, Scott. It's a very interesting little mini essay. <laughs> Beautifully written. Very true. I'm um, going to thank everybody who submitted feedback. And we also want to thank some other people like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used in our show. Listen more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Scarter for the art for our show. And thanks to our loyal Patreon supporters at patreon.com GEDB pod, where for just $1 a month, you get to participate in polls. And, uh, listen to bonus audio podcasts. And, uh, around the time that this episode, uh, is gonna come out, two things. One, either right before this episode drops or after, within the same week, um, you will be hearing us return, or kind of introduce, we technically did this a bit before, but Uh do the official introduction of On the Edge of Relevance, which will be our new Patreon bonus show that will be semi-regular. In which uh, Adam and I will cover streaming films that uh, are big hits that are going to be like all the talk of Twitter and stuff. And uh, we'll talk about it over on the Patreon. The first episode officially we'll be doing of it is on Zack Snyder's Justice League, which we'll be recording soon. I'm very curious because I haven't seen it, but I know you have, Adam. I watched it today and I want to hate it, but I kind of can't. If you want to hear more of that, just that dollar. Um, to hear him, and also uh, me expound on whenever I actually watch the thing. It'll be interesting. Uh, But also, this week you'll get to vote for an upcoming topic that we do, and uh, we decide, you know, it's been a while since we've done a sort of year as a topic that wasn't, like, obviously when we're in the middle of, like, 2020 or whatever. Uh, Not since 1999 that we had done, like, a past year as a topic. And so you all get to vote for a year from the 1980s we get to cover. And there's two choices... It's either 1984, which featured such interesting films as Purple Rain, Splash, and Nightmare on Elm Street, versus 1987, which had Good Morning Vietnam, Dirty Dancing, and Moonstruck. So all sorts of things we could do. Very interesting different years. Great, great, great movies on both. Yes, are you pulling for any specific one, Adam?
1: Nope, I'm actually kind of, whatever is uh, chosen, I'm excited for. It's the first time I'm like, I'm good with whatever.
0: I know 1984 is definitely sort of the more popular year, but and we were sure. stressing over 87 in particular, being, uh, I think, a very interesting underrated one. So uh, you all get to choose it, though, and like I said, for just $1 a month, that bonus podcast, that poll, all sorts of other stuff that will be coming in the near future can be accessible to you. But... For absolute free, you can find us here on uh, Twitter and Facebook at DEDBpod. That's where we put out the feelers about questionnaires and whatever that you all contribute to every week. And also you can email us feedback, double bill at gmail.com, all spelled out. And if you do have some other extra cash, why not buy some of our merchandise with our logo on it over at the TeePublic ESO store. You can find all sorts of great uh, you know, t-shirts, mugs tote bags, all sorts of things with our logo on it, because we all would like you to give us a bit of a kickback by doing what?
1: Buy our merch! Buy our merch!
0: Yes. Listen to the repetitive little like, Critic adam. It, it's that. That's just good.
1: And you know, the thing is, you'd think would have just recorded me doing it by now. and Just piped it in, but you know, every week I gotta do it fresh. <laughs> God damn it, right? But if it's not old, if it's not old for me, it better not be old for you, motherfuckers.
0: No, that's true. If you're, you're not tired of us already, uh, you can uh, find my own individual stuff. Over on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as at Not the Who's Tommy. And also, I do some writing for some places like uh, Mariani and Film Cred.com. I have uh, a current piece speaking of the King Kong versus Godzilla. I'll have a Godzilla piece coming out there uh, shortly about the embracing the silliness of the character again. Excellent. I am excited to read that. And you can
1: find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Adam or Adam, that's A T O M underscore or underscore Adam. Mostly, like I've said a thousand times, sharing pictures of my dogs, uh, art that I've been doing. I just recently finished a mural in my house that f- took forever, but it's done. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, send me a friend request, a follow request, whatever it is. And I will definitely return the favor and share your stuff if you share mine. And, you know, there's been a running thing the last couple of episodes that, that I took it upon myself to do, to try to find, you know, maybe the light in the dark every week. And I, you know, I am going to do something like that this week, but not the typical. We have a guest that's been on our show several times, friend of the show. Thomas has guested on his show, Sequels. He, he's one of my all-time favorite guests that we've had. I absolutely love the dude, uh, Shaquille Lambert. Last time you heard him, want to be on our Denzel Washington episode. He's one of the nicest genuine guys I, I, I know. And, uh, he could use some help right now. His mother, Olga, she needs special, uh, treatment. She, on her fourth round of a sort of debilitating disease, a, a cancer. And, uh, So the main doctor that can help her, the treatment she needs, is in Germany. And uh, there's a GoFundMe for her, which we'll have, you know, the link in our show notes. If you follow our page, we've shared it. Our personal pages, we've both shared it. And, uh, I mean, if you can give even a dollar, whatever you can do, even if you don't have the money, just share the link. Try to get some visibility on it. It's super important to him. So, therefore, it is super important to us. We love the guy, and we just wish nothing but the best for him. And uh, we hope that you'll help maybe uh, get her the treatment she needs.
0: Definitely. We would recommend if you have any spare change, definitely contribute that. Uh, We love Shaquille, and we only hope the best for his family. So uh, we've definitely, like I've contributed, and I hope uh, all of you that can also do the same. And uh, even also, this is just more of a general thing based on just what happened this week. Um, I would definitely recommend contributing, if you can, also to some Stopping the Hate for Asian American communities out there. Rough, horrible things happened in Atlanta that were genuine hate crimes Um, and I would definitely recommend trying to help out um, any Asian American community, especially with all this just weird uptick in violence. It's so horrible for those people. I, I would definitely recommend uh, if you can, being a true ally and actually trying to help out any way you can.
1: I completely agree. I have several um, half-Asian family members and things like that. And I've also been close friends with a lot of people in the Asian community uh, throughout my life. And, and it's a disgusting sort of pandemic in its own right that's happening right now. And, and whatever we can do to even just shine a light on it and hopefully stop it or curb it, um, whatever we can do, it, it's, it's necessary um, just in the aspect of being a good human being and being a good person.
0: Having some empathy for people who might even be, like, directly in your social circle. Just, like, empathy for goddamn human beings. That's what they empathy are. Empathy for people. Just
1: people. Yes. Just, you know, just be empathetic, be good, be nice. That That's all it boils down to. It just boils down to being nice and helpful. And, uh, you know, there are people out there that, that need it. And if you have the means and are able to, just help. Any way you can, help.
0: Um, and with no real effective segue, um, I can say, if you like the show, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on ESO, why not listen to the various other great shows on the network? And you can also dig into our archives, on our main Podbean feed uh, for just all the stuff even before we joined ESO. And nothing else if you can't, you know, contribute to the Patreon or buy any of our merch... The absolute free way to help the show is to rate, review, or share around the show to give us a bit more visibility out
1: there. 100% agree. And especially with the topics we just discussed, if you share our show and somebody goes in our page and they sees those things, that helps everyone. So, I mean, if you could literally, it's that easy as one click. Yes. That's all we
0: ask for. Uh, but now, Adam, it's time to do our picking for next week. And next week is a very yeah. special episode. Uh-huh. It is our 150th episode.
1: What the fuck? Like, that's yes. insane. Like, that's insane, Tom. It's almost been three years.
0: Yeah, I know. We're we're heading up on three years very shortly. And uh, every... Well, that No, 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 no. No, no, no. You don't shut this down. <laughs> you and I have had conversation
1: weekly for three years.
0: There are literally hundreds of hours of us talking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nonstop. It's a milestone. It's a personal milestone for me. It, it, it's, it's pretty fantastic. And uh, again, I know I've said it, but hey, man. Thanks for bringing me on this. Thanks for thinking to me when you decided to start this, and thanks for putting up with my complete ineptitude when it comes to technology.
0: <laughs> no problem. No problem. Thank you for being there most of the time. I appreciate yeah, right. the ninety percent of the time <laughs> that you're there. <laughs> but now, Adam, uh, every fifty episodes, we like to do something special because, given the nature yeah. of our show, uh, we have like you know two good picks, two bad picks, and that means one good pick and one bad pick goes on to be a topic for an episode, but the other two are left in the dust. But uh, every 50 episodes, we decide to look back in our back catalog, see which ones we haven't done at some point for the show that are left in our spreadsheet, and we decide, let's pick two of our random choices and have them get a bit of redemption, as it were. And uh, this is also something very interesting. In the three years we've been doing this show... The rotation we usually do of, like, Adam does the good picks, Thomas does the bad picks, or vice versa. That rotation has never changed since the start of the show, we realized. Yep. And so we're like, wow, that's weird. You know what? Time to change it, baby. Time
1: to change it, baby.
0: So uh, we'll be having another uh, scenario where I have the two good picks, you have the two bad picks. But that completely throws that rotation to chaos.
1: Yes, it does. And I'm I'm actually kind of all for it.
0: Yes, it's, some, it's the one thing I think we haven't changed since the start of the show, <laughs> really. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so, but uh, you have the two bad picks, I have the two good picks. I was signed number between one and ten for both my choices, you've done the same for yours. So uh, yeah. for the redemption of uh, two of my former good picks that were never picked, pick number between one and ten.
1: Adam. I'm going to go straight up number ten.
0: Okay, I'm pretty excited for this and I think you'll be too Uh, because at number nine, I have a movie that I know you're a big fan of, and it's also related to another one of your favorite movies. It was my alternative pick for the long-delayed sequels episode that we did. It is Blade Runner 2049. Oh,
1: God. Yes. Yes. I just orgasmed.
0: (laughs) Well, at least it's the end of the show. You can clean yourself up in a second. I'm going to let it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> going <ahead. laughs> but then on the other side of the plane over at number three i had for the alternative from the wachowski's episode we did last year speed racer which i genuinely quite love yeah i don't so i'm good with blade runner 2049. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I figured you'd be happier with that choice but yeah, now adam, adam yeah, for your pretty. two bads two bad ones you that were not eventually chosen this is going to be interesting so
1: oh, quick though these yes. always make the craziest episodes yes yeah, it's so fun. Go ahead, go ahead. I was so excited for either one of my choices to I, pair up with Blade Runner
0: 2049. You know, I'll, I'll go on the polar opposite end of what you did. I'll go number one.
1: All right, at number two, I had my redemption episode from the kids family movies. I have Mac and me. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blade Runner 20. 20- and back and me. One
0: of the best movies ever made in recent years And Blade Runner
1: 2049 <laughs> Yeah right, exactly at number, at number 7 I had My uh, redemption for the John Carpenter Episode I had Ghosts of Mars Oh yeah I'm so glad we got that <laughs> Me too Blade Runner 2049 and back at me <laughs> Some wacky shit
0: Oh my god I'm so excited Well that'll be all fun and games for next week uh but until then everybody, it's time to pack it up and OH my god, it's a monkey with a razor blade. Just shoot it. Just shoot it. Shooter! Shooter. <laughs> Shooter.
1: Clever girl.
0: Good night. Bye.